You're listening to the Grace Covenant East Lincoln Audio Podcast. So good morning. So all of you are going, he's not Pastor Jeremy. He, he's so much better looking. That's what I was thinking you were thinking. Awesome. So much, so, so well dressed, everything. The shirt's tucked in. <clears throat> it's pressed. I even ironed it. Thank you, Billy. So for those of you who don't let me don't know me, let me just say I am Pastor Paul Glenn. I am the campus pastor on our Statesville campus, uh, and I'm delighted to be with you. Because for those of you who don't know me, I'm home today. Amen. This is home. So we're delighted to be with you. Um, we were, I had, actually had the privilege to help start this campus uh, five years ago, and what you have done and what you've become, uh, we are so proud of uh, what Grace Covenant. East Lincoln is doing in this community. So this morning, we're going to continue on. Oh, first off, you're going, where is Pastor Jeremy? That's what we wanted to know, too. Um, He is on sabbatical. So every three years uh, at Grace Covenant, if you're a pastor, uh, we send you on a a sabbatical. And so he's on sabbatical today um, somewhere. Um, I I don't think he's in Hawaii, but if he could have gotten there, I think he would have gone. But I don't think that's where he's at. Um, But anyway, this morning we're going to continue our series on the unsung heroes, talking about people in the Bible who, they're not the ones that in your child's pictorial Bible their pictures are in, it's the other people in the Bible. And we're going to talk about some of those uh, this morning. So this morning, let me ask you a question. How many of you like the Pirates of the Caribbean? You like Captain Jack Sparrow, the character? You like that? Okay, I just want to tell you right now, I know that's not a biblical character. And he's not the person we're studying today. Just some of, some of, some of the scholars, are good. he's not in the Bible. He's not in the Bible. I know, I know. But the reason that I like that is hopefully maybe that some of the same reasons why you like that character. And that is I like the idea of someone who, whose life like just kind of gets turned around. Like they're, they're really, they're not doing well. They're kind of blowing it. Uh, they kind of mess up a lot. Um, and then all of a sudden, right, everything that could go wrong is going wrong. Everything that you hoped would happen isn't happening. The people that you're counting on, like this character, they just up and quit, walk away, and just say, I'm out of here. And you go, wait. And then all of a sudden, right, all of a sudden, it shifts. Something changes. And if you're Captain Jack Sparrow, you either swing in saunter in or something right you've come in and and somehow everything gets fixed um i just like those types of characters i like those kind of movies we see it in return of the jedi right darth vader saves he's the bad guy he saves luke skywalker right from the emperor he's bad and then he turns good at the last minute no one expects it it's kind of that thing like they're a, a life that's turned the other direction I love that. We see it in cartoons. How many of you know the Grinch, right? He steals Christmas, but then he gives it back, right? It's this whole thing of this person, this character, this entity that turns and they're headed the wrong direction. And then in the midst of something, some transforming moment, they turn back. Well, the really cool thing is that the Bible is full of those kinds of people. And the reality is, is This room is full of those kinds of people, right? God, 
we're headed one direction and we have this transforming moment and we find ourselves headed in a different direction. I know that's the story of my life, but I know it's the story of some of you as well. But I love that whole thing. We see it in history. Let me ask you a question. Here's a person in history. So how many of you would know? I'll give you a, a minute to think about this. There's a gentleman. He enters the army. He um, gets promoted. He, he uh, becomes an officer. They send him to uh, a new post. He hates where he's at. Uh, can't stand where he's at. Hates being away from his family. Right, So after a couple of years, he falls into depression. He starts drinking a lot. Um, his, his whole command falls, begins to, to fall apart. He actually quits the army and goes home. He starts a business. He tries to start a business, and it fails. And then all of a sudden, war breaks out. And he gets a call, and he's asked to, to come back. And so he comes back to lead some troops, finds himself in a very short period of time as general in command of the entire army. And he does so well, right? He does so well that we make him president of the United States, not once, but twice, Ulysses S. Grant, right? His life was falling apart. He was choosing the wrong path. It was, everything was bad, but then he had this turnaround this thing that happened in his life that switched. Well, this morning, we want to look at someone in the Bible, and her name is Rahab. How many have heard of Rahab? How many have not? Okay, everybody's heard of it a little bit. A little, maybe one doesn't. All right, so here we go. So here's the story of Rahab. Um, I'll read it from Scripture, but the reality is, is that this whole thing is she is this unlikely, certainly unqualified person for God to do something through. Now listen, if you and I were picking someone for God to do something fantastic through, <laughs> we're not picking Rahab. I mean, let's just be honest. Some of you know people like Rahab, and you wouldn't pick them to do anything. You might not even let them in your house to clean your house. That's the reality of it. But see, God sees us in different ways. And he chose... Rahab, with all of her issues, with all of her failures, with her storied past, he chooses Rahab. And he does it because he's the kind of God who redeems and restores. He takes the broken places of our life and he knows how to use them for our good and for his glory. And so this morning we want to discover with Rahab all that's possible and all the hope that is in, found in Christ. So this morning, it's in your notes, it says this, it's been said that the past is the greatest predictor of the future. However, that doesn't hold true when you factor in the transformation that God can bring in your life. Listen, my background prior to ministry was business and finance. And we know that there's the statement, Jerry helped me with it, past performance is not the predictor of future, right? But it but oftentimes we look at the past to figure out if it's a good company, if it's those kind of things. You can look at the past. We look at that oftentimes judging one another, judging our situations, judging our scenarios. But the reality is, especially in Christ, it is not a good predictor of the future. It is not. Why? Because God is so 
capable of doing so much more, so many other things. He's, he's the turnaround artist. He's the transformation God. See, there's no failure, no blunder, no mess up, nothing, no past issue, no past sin that makes us unusable to God. This morning, I want to uh, read to you a portion of the story of Rahab. It's found in Joshua chapter 2, and I want to read it to you. Um, you're welcome to follow along. We're going to begin in verse 1. It says this. It says, Then Joshua, son of Nun, secretly spent, sent two spies, and he said, Go look over the land. He said, Especially Jericho. So when they went up, they entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there. The king of Jericho was told, Look, some of the Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king sent a message to Rahab. He said, Bring out the men who came to you and entered your house because they've come to spy out the whole land. But she had taken the two men and hidden them. She said, yes, the men came to me, but I didn't know where they had come from. And at dusk, when it's time to close, when it was time to close the city gate, they left. I don't know which way they went. Go after them quickly. You can catch up to them. But she had actually hidden them under the stalks of flax that she had laid out on the roof. So the men set out in pursuit of the spies on the roads that leads to the fords of the Jordan. And as soon as the pursuers had gone out, uh, the gate was shut. So now the spies are in the city. And it says, Before the spies lay down for the night, she went up on the roof and said to them, I know that the Lord has given you this land, and that a great fear of you has fallen on us, so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We've heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. When we heard it, our hearts melted in fear and everyone's courage failed them because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on earth below. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family because I've shown kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father and mother, my brothers and sisters and all who belong to them, and that you'll save us from death. Our lives for your lives, the men assured her. If you don't tell what we're doing, we'll, we will treat you kindly and faithfully when the Lord gives us the land. So she let them down by a rope through the window for the house. Um, for the house that she lived in was part of the city wall. And she said to them, Go to the hills so the pursuers will not find you. See, they went to the Jordan. She's saying, go to the hills. Hide yourself there three days until they return, and then go on your way. Now the men had said to her, this oath you made us swear will not be binding on us unless when we enter the land, you've tied this scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down. And unless you've brought your mother and your father, your brothers, and all your family into your house. We put this in your notes. See, Rahab is a picture of the power of the Lord Jesus to transform any life that comes to him by faith. This story reminds us that God often works through the most improbable to do the impossible. So this morning, for a few minutes, I want to talk to you about Rahab. Uh, we've called it Rahab and Rehab because she's coming, right? She's in transformation. So the first thing is, is that Rahab was a pagan who worshipped the false gods of the Canaanites. And I know some of you are saying, wait a minute, Pastor Paul, are you saying that God is using someone who doesn't believe him, someone who doesn't serve him? Yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. Every day he does it. 
I can't tell you how many times God has used someone who is not serving him to help me, to give me instructions, to say things to me. They're not trying to be the voice of the Lord, but I'm telling you when they say it, it's like I heard like the voice of the Lord and wisdom in that moment, but they don't even serve God. God uses all people and all situations and all things, and he can use a pagan woman right, to do his purposes. So God is definitely using people. And like most recently, we've been doing some traveling lately, um, and I, I had a Muslim woman at the hotel upgrade my room. And I'm thinking, I wonder if I should tell her that I'm a Christian pastor. <laughs> no, I'll take that upgrade. Thank you very much. <laughs> right? But God uses anybody and everybody to, to extend. And he can use a woman like this to extend favor. But here's the big thing. On top of being a pagan, she was a prostitute. And there's no question about it. It says it right here in verse 1. So they entered and went into the house of a prostitute. The Bible cannot get any more direct than that. This is what she does. right? This is her lifestyle. This is who she is. Why would they go there? Why would they choose to go there? Well... Her lifestyle, her activity is really kind of a hush-hush thing anyway, right? This is a woman who's used to keeping secrets. And these guys are spies. On top of that, it's not uncommon for lots of people to come and go out of her door and be unnoticed. See, when people come and go in and out of her door... They're looking down. We're looking at the, the ground. We're not keeping eye contact with people and greeting them, right, outside the prostitute's house, right? It's, everybody's got their eyes down. You might even, if you talk, it's just in a grunt. You're not really engaging any kind of, watch out. Yeah, I see that. Nobody's really having a conversation or looking at each other, engaging. Everybody's trying to fly low under the radar. Well, if you're a spy, what do you want to do? Fly low under the radar. So you just want to kind of blend in, right, with, with this, this portion of town that maybe the righteous people, the good people, the aware people, the, they, they're not really going to visit. They're not paying attention to. They're just trying to get in low under the radar in this thing. But the question is, is this, is why would God use someone like her to do something like this? Here's the good news for you. God has the ability to see not just our activities. He has the ability to see our hearts. He doesn't just look at our behaviors in the moment. He has the ability to see what our hopes and our desires are. And I'm telling you that there are people who have behaviors that they wish they didn't. God has the ability to see not just our past. Sometimes I wish he didn't. He has not just the ability to recognize our present, but here's the great thing. With an all-seeing and all-knowing and God who's not bound by time, 
when God looks at us, he has also the ability to see out of his peripheral vision, not only our past and looking at our present, but he can see over here our future. He has the ability to see who we have the potential to become. He has the ability to see who it is that we want to become. He has the ability to see a transforming moment that's just on the horizon. And he has the ability to work all things to our good, whether we're in Christ or not yet in Christ. Do you understand? Do you understand that all of us at some point or another had a past we're probably not pleased with? We have a present that maybe we don't even like. But somewhere along the way, before we got to here now, we had a future, but it wasn't in Christ yet. But Christ used us. Christ sent us. Christ loved us. Christ was in the room with us. He was always aware. God knows that. So here we have this woman, right, that her transformation moment is coming. And here it comes. So Rahab, she chose to believe in the one true God. And this was the turning point in her life. It says in verse 11, I think in your notes, I think it may say verse 8. But um, I'm going to tell you that Go to verse 11 is better. It says, for the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on the earth below. This is a declaration she's making in, with her mouth and she believes in her heart. Now, this is not the concept of Jesus, but it is the concept of Romans 10, 9 that says, if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, it says what? That we will what? Be saved, Right. This is, this is Old Testament. Jesus isn't here yet. But it is the concept of confessing and believing in who God is. And that's what they had in the Old Testament. Do you get that? This is a principle. We're seeing a, a New Testament principle somewhat being lived out in the Old Testament. She is making this confession. She says, for the Lord God, your, your God is Lord both in heaven and on the earth. She's making the declaration that he is God. She's clearly making that. And so then what happens? She becomes part of God's rescue mission. And she becomes part of God's redemptive plan. And it happens to her the same way it does. It happens to you and I. Just, just this way. We believe in our hearts. We confess in our mouth. We choose to do something different. We've got a past, but we choose not to live in the past. We choose the present that Christ has for us. That's God's redemptive plan. So here's my favorite point of the whole day. If you've been napping till now, it's time to wake up because this is the one you're going to want to remember. This is the one you're going to be able to quote later. Here it is. Rahab was taken from the house of shame and she ended up in the hall of fame. And that's impossible for all of us. That's possible for anyone. See, in Hebrews 11, uh, chapter 11, we call that the hall of faith. It's the chapter where it talks, it's like the hall of fame for people with faith. And guess who's in it in verse 31? Rahab. And it doesn't even say Rahab, this wonderful woman. It actually starts out, by faith, Rahab the prostitute. Because, and then it goes on, right? She had faith. She believed in this one God who was God of the heavens and God of the earth. And that he had a people. And that he had a plan. 
And she gave herself willingly to that. What? For redemption. But I believe it was her faith that took her even farther than just being included in chapter 11 of the book of Hebrews. It was her faith that took her to be included in the lineage of Jesus. So in in Matthew chapter 1, verse 5 and 6, I'm not going to, it reads a little funny, and so I'm just going to tell you what it says. It says this. It says that a man named Salmon, if you're Kelly Pickler, it's Salmon, but a man named Salmon married Rahab. A Jewish man who was probably there on the day of Jericho married this woman. And they had a son, and his name was Boaz. Boaz is the kinsman redeemer. For those of you who know that story of Ruth, Boaz marries Ruth, a Moabitess, right? And they have a son, and his name is Obed. Obed has a son named Jesse, and Jesse has a son named David. David becomes king of Israel. And the rest of the verses between 7, 8, 9, and 10 or so, it lays out how they get from David to Jesus. So here we have Rahab the prostitute, right? Has her turnaround transformation moment. Comes to a point of faith, and not only does she come to a point of faith, she is in the family of Christ. Wake up moment. I have a turnaround moment, a transformation moment in my life. You had a transformation moment in your life. And guess what? You wake up and you're in the family of Christ. Whoa. I told you you were going to like this point. (laughs) So for those of you who are biblical scholars, I'm sure the room's full of you. Have you ever wondered why Boaz, this kinsman redeemer, why it was so easy for him to, in the story of Ruth, though we've not gone into it today, do you, have you ever wondered why he so easily like married her? <laughs> She's a Moabitess. Why did he marry her? Why did he redeem her? Why did he do all that stuff? Because his mother was Rahab. His mother was Rahab. And she was redeemed. And she brought redemption. She brought it's just amazing the way God lays out his stories. It's way better than Captain Jack Sparrow. <laughs> so what does a turnaround story about a prostitute have to do with us today? A lot. Listen, if, if this story of redemption can happen under the law, before Christ, right, right? God is separated from man, all those points of separation. How much easier today for you and I, because we're not bound by that. Jesus has come. He has provided restitution once and for all. Redemption is available, accessible, and you and I have direct lines to Christ. Listen, I can pick up my prayer phone and I am am talking to heaven right here. It is that accessible. If it could happen there, how much more for us today? How much more for the people who are right here in East Lincoln County, your neighbors, your friends, the people you go to shopping, grocery stores, and all kinds of places, and they don't know it yet. How they don't know, I don't know. But there are people who don't know that this is still available. they They can be a part 
of an amazing turnaround story. The lives that they're not enjoying, it's possible. It's possible for something to change. Because with Jesus, everything is possible. Everything is possible. And that's the last couple of points we have today. Your past doesn't have to limit your future. So many people think, I'm unworthy. I'm not worthy to, to come to God because of my past. Okay, I get that. You're not. But neither am I. Neither is anybody else in this room. The word says no one is. No one. But yet God still loves us. Is that not the craziest thing? Sometimes that just overwhelms me. I am not worthy. But God still loves me anyway. That's redemption. I know that there are people who say, but I don't know if what I did, though, is really forgivable. Listen, people may not forgive you for things that you've done here, but the word says that he is faithful and just, and he always forgives, right? We have a forgiving And even the thing I love is a forgiving and forgetful God. God is the only person I know that has dementia for all the right reasons. (laughs) Right? As soon as we repent, right? He forgets. Listen, your failures can become a place of God's work in your life, in our lives. Rahab's house of shame and ill repute actually became a place that God needed to use to do some things. He needed to use it to save some people, to protect some people, to do some stuff from. And here's the crazy part. Our chaotic homes, our imperfect lives, our troubled past, our issues, all of those can become places for God to work. Amen. Not just in our lives, but in the lives of other people. Listen, I can't tell you how many times God has used my story of redemption because I had the opportunity to sit down with someone who could... Re- I was the first person they said, I've never met anybody who could relate to me. Well, hello, my name is Paul. Right? God uses the things that we're not proud of, that we wish hadn't happened... But all of a sudden, we're the person who can relate to someone who's going through it right now. And here's the beautiful thing. We know the rest of the story. God is redemption. God is able. God is powerful. God is capable. God is reaching. Right? All of those things. God can use my lessons, my life. He can use yours. Finally, your faith can open the way for greater opportunities. James chapter 4, verse 8, summarized, basically says this, our humility attracts God's favor. Can I tell you, this is not just one of those like mild attractions kind of thing. Our humility is like a really strong magnet to God's favor. God loves humility. And so in these moments, right, where we have a past, but he 
he redeems it. Then in our ability to, to not try to hide behind that, but just say, yeah, I was that. And I'm thankful that I am no more, right? Yes, I've experienced that, and I wish I hadn't. But I want to tell everybody that I know, don't do that, right? In that humility, God's favor and his anointing comes in, and then he uses that. And it's that, I believe, that is what allowed someone like Rahab to become the great-grandmother to the 27th power of the Messiah. know what's in your past I know what's in mine and I will never run for president (laughs) I won't but it doesn't matter because God's redemption is fully accessible fully available and it is that that we get to celebrate today. So this morning, we're going to conclude with communion. I'm going to ask that our ushers would come. See, with Jesus, everything is possible. The scarlet cord that became a way of escape for the spies and a means of protection for Rahab was a foreshadow. It was a foreshadow of the blood of Jesus that provides escape and protection today. Listen, that cord could have been green, it could have been orange, it could have been yellow. It wasn't. It was the color of the blood that he shed. Because it was a redemption story. His is a redemption story. And yours is a redemption story. And this morning, we want to celebrate communion together for those reasons. I'm going to ask that the ushers would go ahead and begin to pass out um, communion. Take some notes. Let me just tell you that at Grace, we, we have open communion. If you're a believer in Christ, you're welcome to partake with us. Please hold the elements, and we're going to all take them together. And while they're passing them, I just want to ask you, do you know why we take communion? In 1 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul says it this way. He says, whenever we eat the bread and drink the cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. What is it that we're proclaiming in his death? Forgiveness. Redemption. Wholeness. And that it's all still possible. This isn't... What we're celebrating today is not just a reminder of a past action, the death of our Christ. But it is the proclamation of what is accessible on an ongoing basis to you, to me, to my family, to my friends, to my neighbors. Listen, we just moved. We just downsized. We moved to a whole new neighborhood. I got a whole bunch of new neighbors that get to find out about God's redemption. Because it's available. That's what communion is. That's why we do, because we're proclaiming this reminder to ourselves and a declaration to others that Jesus still lives.
and he still has the ability to turn I'm contemplating I'm not going to say it the way I want to say it the junk of your life into a redemption a vessel right for his glory but the reality is is that first we have to accept it so I just want to say to you this morning if you've been coming to church a lot for a long time maybe and you've never given your heart to Christ maybe you've just been coming through the doors and hanging out with us on Sundays I get it we're cool but today may be your day. And if it is, it's really simple. We do it in the form of a prayer oftentimes, but you don't have to. You know why? Because it's just like what we said earlier. If we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and we believe that God raised him from the dead, the word says you're saved. If you today in your heart, you know that Jesus is Lord, that's, that's it, right? Salvation is a receiving of that, an awareness of that. Rahab knew that God was God before there was a Jesus. We have to know that there is a God and we have to commit ourselves to him. And if that's you this morning, you've never done that before. As we're about to take communion, all you have to simply do is just say to yourself, say to your heart, say to the Lord, Lord, you're the one. You're the one God heaven and earth and if you can redeem someone like Rahab then God would you take the mess of my past and redeem it too that's it and if you've done that in your heart then you know Christ and there's a life that is going to be set in front of you that is amazing but it takes that pivot point moment oftentimes we just sit here and we've we've not done it but if you've done that and you did it just then the word says that the angels in heaven are rejoicing because of it and here's the beautiful thing now it qualifies you with all of the believers for decades and generations and eons to declare through communion that Jesus is Lord the Lord says that on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Let's eat it together. The word says that after dinner, he took the cup. So he took the bread during dinner. He took the cup after dinner. And he said, this is my blood and it's a new covenant. And it's for you. And it's when we drink this that we remind ourselves of what he did. This shed blood for our redemption. This scarlet blood. Let's take it together. Lord, we thank you this morning. That in you, there is newness of life. In you, there is redemption. In you, there is a future. God, I thank you that each of us has a turnaround story because there was a transformation that you made in our lives. 
And God, today we declare that you are still Lord and that your transformation power still works and it's still accessible, Lord, to us and to those we love. Lord, to those who have not found you yet, it's still accessible. And so, God, today we declare afresh and anew, God, that your, your turnaround story, God, your redemption, God, is available. Lord, use us that others might know. God, today we worship you for your redemption. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.